This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 123. I got to put a little pause here. As a kid, I was always fascinated by sequential numbers. Like if you got something that was one, two, three, or three, two, one, or even four, five, six. So like the four-year-old kid in me just wants to look at those numbers in awe. It's something dumb that I, I don't know why I do it, but now I'm sharing it with the rest of the world. The show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and, of course, Robin that is celebrating 80 years this year. We're associated with Batman on Film through their podcast network, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the BatmanUniverse.net, our primary home, and our lovely friends at Batman on Film, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, you can find us. Speaking of finding us, and I've said this in the last three or four shows, and I need to get off my butt and update this, but we have a new Blogspot page. You can go to EveryoneLovesTheDrake.blogspot.com to get other essays or pictures or action figures that I buy or all that fun stuff that centers around Tim Drake. And that is also going to be for our sister show. Everyone loves young justice. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD podcast. You can find our Instagram page and you can email into the show at Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. Like I said, I'm Rob and we're back for another Robin 80th anniversary show. And I got to tell you, these shows have been fun all year. I think Terrence and Ryan were kind of poking at me like, uh, we'll see if Rob can keep the every other 
thing going. And here we are. We're in October and I'm still going, guys. So here we are for the 80th anniversary. We have a very special guest, and I'm going to start naming this the Lauer Poaching Session. I just find out whoever Ryan Lauer has on the Batman Book Club, and then I just try and book them for a guest. So he's doing all the homework, and I get to listen. Like, it's an interview process and go, hmm, I like that person you had there. Then I immediately email this person and say, hey, I want you to come on the show and talk about it. So our guest that's going to be on here tonight is a part-time writer for Spider-Man Crawl Space and Podcast, also contributes to jamesbonddossier.com, is a writer and reviewer at the massive Batman on Film. Please give a warm welcome to Javier Trujillo, if I'm saying your last name correctly. Trujillo. Trujillo. See, I was I was so close. I, <laughs> I almost wanted to go there, but I had the whole Metallica bass player name in my head. I'm like, no, I'm going to say that wrong. So, Is that uh, how well, he pronounces it? I believe so. Oh, I wow. So. I didn't know that. So, Javi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. And I got to say, we were talking off mic right beforehand. You were on, I would say most recently, I think it's probably been, has it been two months now since you were on, now that we're in October, or was it in September that you were on the Batman Book Club? I'm going to say September, but I mean, okay. in COVID times, like time is all relative. and Yeah, that's right. Up is down, black is white. <laughs> Plaid is, well, plaid is still plaid. It's just a different shade of plaid. <laughs> but uh, you guys discussed another one of my favorite books. Like I always say, Lonely Place is one of my you know, all-time favorite Batman stories. But you guys did year three, and that is a sorely underrated uh, yes. book. And one that has kind of like fallen through the cracks. And you guys mentioned on the show that it was only, was it in 2018 that it was finally collected for the first time since it's printing. They got two different prints, but the uh, one I currently have is the uh, Marv, all of Marv Wolfman's stories that were in like the, the Dark Knight, uh, uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. I think that's what that was. Yeah. It's either Tales of the Dark Knight or Legends Tales. of the Dark Knight. I always get the... Yeah, Tales of the Dark Knight. Yep. But yeah, I mean, that that was a shame that it... it I mean, I'm happy that it got another re-release so other people yeah. can be aware of it, but it really, really needs its own standalone collected edition and hopefully ryan and i raise some awareness and maybe someone at dc heard about it and oh, uh put some plans into motion because that is a a great book that you know gets lost in the shuffle of year one and long halloween oh definitely and i think you guys also said and i've said it too numerous times on this show that a great collection would be death in the family year three and a lonely place of dying and a nice trade quote unquote, not really omnibus, but you know, a nice hardcover edition. I was really surprised when I can't remember when they redid death in the family and that they kind of tucked in the back end of it, a lonely place of dying. I thought the, the whole time, like what you're missing is year three. And then I think that was like a 2014, 2011 release. I can't quite remember what year, but I also think it was one of those where, and we'll talk about it in our featured topic that we'll get to. I think some of that history right around that time for Dick Grayson's origin, they 
as soon as they wrote it, they were kind of like, well, I think we're going to kind of change some things. So Denny was famous for sometimes pulling things in and out of continuity. Like the cult was in continuity for the longest time. And then when you get to nightfall, that was the first time Batman, you know, was broken mentally and spiritually. Well, that actually happened in the cult first. So I think just with some of the deck shuffling and, you know, the, different crises and what happened and whatnot. I think this is one of those at the time they were like, Nope, that didn't happen the way it said, but criminally underrated. hundred percent agreed. Well, before we get to our main topic with our 80th anniversary topics, I want to ask you a couple questions. And the big one is who is your favorite Robin and where did you get introduced to them from? Well, fortunately for me, I would have to say my favorite Robin is Tim Drake. So I'm I'm lucky enough to be on a podcast that's primarily focused on his adventures and, you know, not Damian Wayne. But there you go. (laughs) Although I like Damian Wayne a lot. I've come to like him a lot. But same. uh, I mean, I started off, I think, like most people, uh, knowing Dick Grayson. And um, I, I don't know what my first Batman comic is. I could tell you what my first Spider-Man one was, but I don't have a memory of what my first Batman story was, was if it was the TV show or the cartoons mm-hmm. at the time or um, the comics. Um, but my dad would buy me books, but he would buy me like stuff that he knew and loved. It was really, really rare that he would get me a, a modern book that was like fresh off the newsstand. So, well, I grew up initially with Dick Grayson as Robin and I had like one comic that was new that my dad got me that had Jason in it pre-crisis but by the time I actually started buying comics for myself on my own when I was 12 I was right there at the ground level for Tim Drake to come in and that had a Mm. profound impact on how I saw the character uh, because I was roughly the same age as he was and it enabled me to really put myself in his shoes since we were so close in age. And unlike Dick, who had that natural athletic ability from being in the circus, I mean, they really hit home that, that Tim was just a kid. Like, he'd had some karate, um, mm-hmm. but really he was just a smart, observant guy that figured out one of the world's greatest secrets and was able to help out his hero. And so going through the first Robin miniseries and then Robin 2, Robin 3, and him getting his own book, like I got to grow along with him, even though I quickly <laughs> aged faster than he did. It's funny how that um, happens. <laughs> yeah. Comic book time. But, I mean, Tim is always going to have that special place in my heart because, you know, we were right there together. You know, it's really funny to hear the various people that I've talked to that you know, Tim Drake is their favorite and, and any answer would have been good. I'm always joking and saying there's only one correct answer on this show. But I think a lot of us of a certain age, like this, to say that phrase, you're like, oh, crap, that means I'm over 30. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, kind of hit us all around the same spot. Like, I think I was a couple years older than Tim. In 98, I was a freshman in high school. So old enough that, like, you could, like, well... I didn't have a driver's license, and Terrence always says on the show, like, I had a bike, and I had a paper route, so when I was on my paper route, I can imagine I was Tim Drake riding around, you know, town, and all that stuff, but I think when you get to a character like that, that you can have similar situations happen with as far as 
age and bike. And I always wanted to be, you know, really smart. And Tim was extra smart. So you're like, okay, that was something to kind of aspire to. But yeah. getting to getting to see this character grow and become something had a wonderful payoff. And then having Dick give the usher in the way for Tim and be that nudge to Bruce saying, hey, I think this guy is going to do really well. He had Bruce's best interest at heart coming off of a Robin that, that didn't care about anything other than his own needs because of the life that he was brought up in. So it was a real flip from the Jason Todd where everybody was like, hey, we're going to put this 900 number up and let us know if you want to keep him around. You wouldn't have dreamed doing something like that with Tim because they wrote him so well. And I think part of it, too, in addition to his character, was his costume. You had oh yeah, you had a, a Robin look, whether it was Jason or Dick, for 50 solid years. And there was no deviation in that aesthetic. <laughs> That was Robin. Maybe Batman got an oval. The ear length would change, but Robin looked a certain way for 50 years. And all of a sudden, you know, Tim comes in and, and Bruce wants to make it, make him his own Robin. And he has like this new costume that honors the past, but is more reflective of what he should be wearing for the future. And that first issue of his miniseries had that great Neil Adams fold-out poster. I mean, I took that out immediately and hung it up on my wall and had it up there for years. Yeah. And it was just so – it's such a dynamic image. I was just kind of taken away with that as well. And then to see it get adapted into Batman Forever and then the animated series where it became Dick's outfit. I mean, nowadays it seems really commonplace – there's so many different costume changes and especially with the resets and continuity. Mm-hmm. But you know, back when he first appeared, that was a really big deal. Yeah. And that could have been, I mean, it sucks to say this, but Tim has also had a really great costume with this first Robin costume. And then his Drake costume was the complete polar opposite <laughs> of what not to do. And it happened to the same character. But just using him as an example, you can see what a great costume design and something that Neil Adams had said in a podcast I listened to once that the simplest route is usually the easiest route to go. He didn't have to redesign stuff. He thought you just make the green go a little bit longer. You put black on the outside of the cape so he can conceal himself. And it's pretty much done. Update the R and then you fast forward 30 years to putting him as a UPS driver with pouches and belts and lines that go all over the place. It was like, you just did the complete opposite of what you did 30 years ago. So I'm glad that that's been rectified, but you know, that's, that would be a big undertaking for anybody. You kind of saw when they wanted to update Superman a little bit, when they did the electric blue and the electric red costume and how that kind of, hit fans in the late 90s, mid-2000s, rather. So redesigning a character that has had such a legacy, like you said, like 50 years, at that point, you either just say, this is just how it is, or you get somebody that understands the history in Neil Adams, and you come up with something that's just, like you said, it stood the test of time, that it not only you know transcended medium, but it became the norm for what the Robin costume should be based around. So speaking of Robin in history, in the last probably 
uh, let's call it 20 years, actually probably 10 years would be better, that the Batman and Robin team have kind of fractured, for lack of a better word. Are the two characters independent enough that we don't need a Batman and Robin to be together anymore? Or is it time to let's get the band back together and let's have Batman and Robin work together as a unit? Do you prefer one way or the other? Or would you rather see them do X with the two characters? I like having my cake and eating it too. Whether it's Batman and Robin in one title and Batman solo in the other, talking Batman Detective, or how we yeah. had with the new 52, we actually had a Batman and Robin title right? Um, that had Bruce and Damien teamed up. The way that Tomasi wrote that book, it was such a beautiful relationship mm-hmm. that he was forming between you know, a father and son who got thrown into each other's lives and were trying to navigate a relationship. And on top of that, you throw in, you know, crime fighting and he's got to curb the tendencies that Damien got from his mother. And it it kind of flipped it, the dynamic on its head a little bit. In, in some ways, it was similar to Jason Todd, but it was even more personal now because Bruce had a an even greater responsibility. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like Batman and Robin and and just Batman, like I, I don't really have a preference. I really love both dynamics. Um, and, and so I, I wish we would get more of that focused and maybe we will now that we've kind of crossed the, uh, Joker war threshold. And it seems to be bringing in the family a little bit, even as we're losing other parts of the family. Yeah, that's it's interesting how I mean being, you know, Tim Drake fan, seeing him back in a Robin costume again, but yes. at that cost, we lost a Robin in the process too. So that's that's going to be interesting to unpack. Is that just a pause for a moment and Damien return as Robin? And I even said for Tim's thirtieth last year that if if I'd have been writing the comics, you know, maybe. I would have flipped the script and not had Damien go be Robin, leave Tim as Robin and let Damien grow and become something else. So maybe, maybe that's what they're doing. Or again, it's comics and he's got to go find himself and then to return and be Robin again. But the way that uh, last teen Titans issue or the next, the last issue ended. Yeah. Father and son are on the major outs and you go ripping the R off your, your chest that's <laughs> that's not saying all things are right in uh you know jolly old england well as we'll see in a little bit as we dive into this issue bruce has a hard time relating to his sons and and mm. being emotionally vulnerable when and being there when his kids need him so i i've missed out a lot on um teen titans but i have read those most recent issues mm. and i i got to say i feel for the for damian yeah. The amount of guilt that he feels for everything that happened, how he blames himself. Like, I, I don't fault him for it at all. No, no, not at all. And it, and it made sense in the way that they that they wrote it. And I think, uh, above all, to get on a Damien topic here for a minute, I think he feels definitely responsible for the death of Alfred. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the last question I have before we get to our uh, the main event, if you will, is uh, what has made, in your estimation, what's made Robin last... 80 years why why is this character still around i think it, it was his original intent that you know he was supposed to be someone for the younger reader to identify with 
which in one hand seems kind of strange because like, well, I want to be Batman. I don't want to be necessarily the kid at Robin's side, Mm -hmm. but there's just something indelible about that partnership. It's, I don't know it's hard to quantify it because it, there there is the father son aspect whether it's his actual flesh and blood son or not but you know there's there's an element of partnership of looking out for each other and there's just it's a special unique relationship and it maybe it's because he's the first because there are tons of superhero sidekicks you know the Flash and Kid Flash and Green mm-hmm. Arrow and Speedy Aquaman and Aqualad I mean you could go on and on but there's something about Batman and Robin that's eternal and it's just so burned in everyone's psyche that it, at this point it's kind of hard to say why it's important and why it should be there, but it is. And we need it. Batman needs that Robin to ground him. I could not say that any better. That's the end of the show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do right here, uh, we're going to take a quick little promo break. And when we come back, Javi and I are going to get in our first event for this evening. So dust off your long boxes and maybe grab a uh, animated series Blu-ray. I'm just saying. We'll be right back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. In 1984, I was 10 years old, and a strange light lit up the park behind my house. In the middle of the night, still in my pajamas, I ran to investigate. A strange machine sat brooding in the dark. I stepped inside, and I was taken to a far-off galaxy where I saw men, monsters, and gods fight and die. Join us again on the Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars and Beyond series, part of the Pulp to Pixel podcasts, where we will discuss each issue of the Secret Wars miniseries and their long-term impact on the characters who joined us on Battleworld and on those we left behind on the home front. Join us again on Battleworld. Return with us to our Secret Wars. All right, we're back. So when I put out the feelers for, you know, Lauer's guest, <laughs> I'm going to use this joke all night long. You're like that. You're like Ben Affleck, man. I, I did, am. Did you hear the, the story about how he cast Argo? How he just watched Kevin Smith's Red State and took all the cast from that and put it in Argo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that's really kind of funny. <laughs> you, you are Batfleck. I am Batfleck. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> <sighs> So, like I'd done for anybody that has come on the show, I'll say, hey, you know, pick your favorite Robin. It could be a comic. It could be a movie. It could be, you know, a a cereal box or whatever. And Javi picked two things, and I was instantly grinning at the two choices that he picked because this is like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. These two go together in such a way that I don't know if I would have thought to put them together, but I think they work very well. We're going to discuss and contrast these as we go tonight. So the first item up for the show, why don't you tell the good listeners uh, what it is and uh, maybe like why you gravitated or if the package is a whole and that's why. So the first thing we're going to be talking about tonight is Batman number 416 came out in October of 1987. When you gave me the invitation, I went through the list of all the podcasts because I didn't want to pick something, obviously, that you guys have talked about already. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many, like, the obvious choices for me would be, like, 
Lonely Place of Dying or maybe mm-hmm. Robin 2, stuff that meant a lot to me as a kid. And I was thinking about stuff, and I saw you guys had done a commentary episode for Surf's Up, Joker's Under, and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I could pick a cartoon, because I've been covering the um, Batman The Adventures Continue for BOF, mm-hmm. and um, just going through all the issues, because this is, you opened it up for any era of Robin, Yep. but I still wanted to keep something Tim Drake in mind because of the show, and so... I don't know how it came to me, but I'm like, oh, if we talk about issue 416, which has Nightwing meeting Jason Todd for the first time post-crisis, like that's a two for right there Mm -hmm. um, to get the first two Robins. But if we compare it to when Nightwing met Robin in Batman the Animated Series, which is Tim Drake, it's like the ultimate have my cake and eat it too because mm. I get three Robins for the price of one show. <laughs> so really, I'm just being Robin greedy. Yeah, I I gotta say to have Dick, Tim, and Jason all be represented in one episode, but in two different forms of media. I was like, great. Uh, let's let's just do that. So this is where we'll go into the synopsis, and on the other side of the synopsis, Javi and I will talk about this issue. All right, another credits for Batman, The New Adventures, as the title says, but it's the main Batman title, although it kind of ties in thematically to our theme, but you'll, you'll get that in just a moment. The information from this comes from Mike's Amazing World, mikesamazingworld.com. The cover credits read as follows. Batman 416 has a cover date of February 1998 with an on-sale date of October 20th, 1987. Cover price is a whopping 75 cents, and you'll hear us talk about that in the show. The page count is 32. The editor is the great Dennis J. O'Neill. The title, White, Gold, and Truth. The writer is Jim Starlin. The penciler is the amazing Jim Aparo. Inker is Mike DiCarlo. Letters by Terry Austin. And the colors by the lovely Adrian Roy. This is reprinted in Batman Second Chances trade paperback in 2015. Synopsis comes to us by way of DC Wikia fandom. I was going to write one for this one, but this synopsis is really good, and today was just a lazy podcaster day, so I'm going to let uh, DCFandom.com, the Wikia page, take care of the synopsis for us today. And now a synopsis for Batman 416, White, Gold, and Truth. Not long after Jason Todd became the new Robin, he started chasing crooks by himself. Recklessly, Robin follows a drug ring to their hideout, hoping to capture them all. Unfortunately for him, he is spotted and attacked by the members of the gang, who take him down and prepare to beat him, when suddenly Nightwing comes to the rescue and beats the criminals to a pulp. However, the hero soon realizes that they have no evidence to capture the criminals as the drugs have not arrived to their hideout yet. Robin and Nightwing are forced to leave the place. After which, Nightwing scolds Robin for being impulsive and foiling his attempt to capture the gang. Before parting ways, Nightwing tells Robin to give Bruce a message of his visit to the Batcave the next day. A very confused Jason informs Bruce about his encounter with Nightwing, so he learns that Nightwing is Dick Grayson, the first Robin. At first, Jason is afraid that Dick might want to return to his rightful place, but Bruce knows better. In the morning, after Jason has gone to school, Nightwing arrives at the cave after Alfred greets the young man after he first departed from Wayne Manor. Then Nightwing meets Batman in the Batcave's trophy room, where he takes off his mask and approaches his mentor, guardian role model, to have a conversation after an 18-month absence. 
Batman is shocked by the sudden visit, but Dick reminds him that they spent six years as Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo, and it's about time they settle things between them. Dick remembers the encounter they had with the Joker, to which he was injured in the shoulder by the madman's bullet. After the incident, Batman denied Dick the chance to continue his career as his sidekick, saying that he can no longer expose a youngster to such dangers, effectively shutting him off from his life. Disheartened without any certain future, Dick left Wayne Manor with some money provided by Alfred. After this, he went on and started college, only to fail after his first semester. Later, Dick started on a cross-country journey where he met the Teen Titans, a group of young sidekicks like him who had no certain future ahead. After a few adventures with his new friends, Dick decided to drop the Robin mantle and adopt a new identity as Nightwing, leader of the Teen Titans. Everything seemed fine until a certain day, Dick looked at a newspaper and learned that there was a new Robin. Having told Batman his story, Dick demanded to know the reason why the man who wouldn't risk a 19-year-old's partner's safety suddenly gets a new 12-year-old sidekick to fight crime. Batman finds it hard to explain the reasons. At first, he tells Dick that he can no longer be his sidekick and that he just needed to move on, but Dick knows this is not the truth. Bruce then tells him that Jason's background is a street kid whose life was doomed until he took him in. Dick knows that this is still not the truth. Frustrated, Bruce tells Dick that Batman needs a Robin, but this lie doesn't convince Dick either. Finally, Bruce can no longer contain his sadness, which disguised as anger comes out as painful truth. Bruce admits that he was lonely and missed Dick. After this conversation, Bruce asks Dick to leave the cave for their own good. Later that night, Robin goes out again and finds the criminals that slipped away the previous night when he met Nightwing, who also is on the trail of the crooks. After their meeting, Nightwing gives Jason his Robin costume, to which will be fully useful when Jason grows up. Nightwing also gives Robin his phone number in case he needs to talk, knowing that the thorn of being Robin and Bruce's unwillingness to talk openly. After this, Nightwing and Robin decide to work together to capture the drug ring, and this time, their combined forces are too much for the crooks, who are easily defeated by the two masked heroes. This time, with the evidence in hand, the crooks are rounded up, and Nightwing and Robin shake hands. While perched on the ledge of a nearby rooftop, Batman watches the scene with a smile on his face, grateful for Dick Grayson's presence. All right. 416. Now, uh, I'm not sure how you are looking at this tonight. I have two copies of 416, and I believe there's actually four or five copies of 416. They were starting, if you remember back in the day, when you could go to like grocery stores or Toys R Us. They would put comics in like a three-pack, a five-pack, and you could buy yep. comics. So they started reprinting a lot of these. So the two copies I have, and you can tell that they're most notably different where the comics code authority is it says you know 416 at the top on the first one but it's a lot of smaller font and it says 75 cents other issue that i have it says 75 cents but the two big those were the days i would love to pay 75 cents now i could convince my wife to let me buy so many more comics (laughs) for 75 cents and just say that for a minute, 75 cents. We're paying, what, three ninety nine. I think Three Jokers is running at $6, almost 7 bucks yeah. right now. Anyway, back to 75-cent days. But in the bottom left-hand corner where, if you're looking at the front cover, we'll talk about this in a second, where the barrel is where Jason Todd Robin is down on the ground, I have a bat logo and the DC bullet, but 
the DC bullet is a sticker, and that sticker is covering the barcode. So I think hmm. the one that has the barcode, and I'll put this up on the social media so everyone can see, I think this was probably a Toys R Us version or one of those like five five book, three book bags that that was put over there for the barcode because the bag itself would actually have a barcode. So I think the direct market version, not the like comic or the newsstand version, has the Bat logo. So how are you reading uh, yours tonight? I uh, dusted out my copy. I also got mine in a three-pack. I want to say I got it at Kmart, but my memory may be spotty at that. But it came with uh, 414, 415, and 416. And uh, when I open it up, it says that it's a second printing at the bottom. Where that little UPC code usually goes, mine says DC Comics aren't just for kids. Oh, nice. Which I was always afraid that my mom would see that. And <laughs> since it wasn't for kids, it must mean it's for adults. And she'd take it away. Because I kept, <laughs> I kept the killing joke hidden from my parents for years. Oh, man. I did not want them to see that suggested for mature readers on the back. Because I knew it would be gone. Oh, I know. I remember getting a hold of that and instantly going, oh, I don't think I should be reading this. So I, I had kind of done the same thing. I'd kind of hit it somewhere. Not that it was, you know today's standards i'd have been like yeah go ahead and read the killing joke you know but back then i was just like oh well holy crap so we were talking about the cover here i've always dug this cover and you can slap jim aparo on anything back in this day and he's just delivering gold the disco collared nightwing love him or leave him but there's something when aparo draws dick grayson in this suit that just is pure magic so uh what do you think of this cover is anything that kind of stands out to you or uh, pulls you into it i think it's just the perspective i mean you're you're down low you get a good shot of the action of nightwing dropping in the shock on one of the gangsters faces and then the pure rage that the one wearing the more traditional gangster outfit has mm-hmm. as he's about to kill Jason, who just looks like he's done for. Yeah, I think that's just great. And, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, this is a pose that we will see Jason Todd in a lot over the course of the few remaining books that he's going to be in. Literally down, lying on yeah. the floor as you get closer. Like, Jason is always in this state of peril or putting himself in a situation where even back back then the cover date says you know february 88 which you know you were saying it was 87 that there was always some part of me like i always knew dick was going to live to fight another day so to speak but there was something about jason where i was like man he's still new and i still really didn't know like where i fell on do i like jason i'm glad he's not a carbon copy of dick but now he's kind of turning into a jerk where I was always like, if he gets shot, you know, it's not going to surprise me. Did you have any thoughts or reservations on Jason before we would get to death in the family? I didn't really at the time because I mean, like I said, I wasn't really reading a lot of contemporary Batman as it came out. So when I actually first started seriously collecting, we're talking three issues after the end of death of the family. So at that point, he was already dead. Mm -hmm. So then going back, it kind of hung over the the few issues that I had. And that was a really good observation that you made about Jason being in in peril laying down on the covers. Because one of the 
the earlier Batman issues that I had uh, right at the start of my collection was, I think it was 425, mm. where he's on the ground and there's that tower of trash cars that's about to fall on him. Yeah. And I just realized right now how kind of similar it is to this cover. Yeah, very much so. Well, let's let's crack this thing open, and uh, we won't necessarily go page by page, but I just kind of want to get your your overall thoughts of it, and uh, just kind of maybe dive into the meat of it. What what was one of the the big things that stood out to you in this? You know, for people that maybe have not followed up with the continuity at this point, and I was trying to figure out math and time. Eighteen months have passed since. Dick was shot by the Joker, and then Bruce says, hey, I don't want any more partners. I'm done. He goes out on his own, and we could talk about kind of what you know Dick's life was like in that time, where Jason is still fairly new, so Batman and Robin never really had, or Batman and Robin, Batman and Dick never really had that moment of like, why did this thing happen between us why didn't didn't we address it so like what were some of your thoughts about the issue as a whole well just from like the start i was racking my brain on how this whole timeline thing works between post-crisis and zero hour and everything else because we start off the first caption is one year ago so already we're in the past (laughs) yeah right (laughs) it's like trying to figure (laughs) out and then you get to mention that you know that Dick was Robin for six years with Batman, and then it's been 18 months later. So trying to like figure out a timeline t- today, I was, I was uh, getting a little perplexed, but <laughs> I just I just went with it because right. it's comics. But just at the start, you know, Robin is out on his own, and Batman's narrating everything, and like right from the start, how the phone stunt was going to turn out. Right. I don't even know if they had that idea yet when they wrote this issue. But, you know, right from the start, Robin's in jeopardy and Batman's narrating it and how important it is that you have to think for yourself, think on your feet, trying to make Robin keep him alive long enough to become one of those chosen few, you know, who gets to survive the job. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird to read that knowing that in 12 issues, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) it's like it's like they're setting it up and foreshadowing it already when really they probably didn't have any idea. I mean, they kind of did i guess because they had both versions of how the phone number came out i think starlin was always one of those that i think he was a big opponent to the idea of batman and robin he i think he's one of the the big big ones with i think denny kind of went along with it that i think his plan initially was i'm going to set this long story in where we kill robin so i don't have to forcibly put a robin in the book so i think that's where jason like once starling gets on jason really starts to make this hard left turn in about two issues from now where you know he will inevitably be on the rooftop and it's left up to the reader like did he did he push a guy off the roof did he just happen to fall where then like you said at 12 issues jason's going to meet his demise so i think starlin was of that mindset, like, this is was the plan all along, and he's got a slow burn that he's telling. And I like, too, with this issue, how not only is that it's a done-in-one, but it's really simple. And there's a lot that happens, mm-hmm. but the main plot is Robin going against these drug dealers and Nightwing coming in and intervening. There's no, you know, big 
plot against the Joker or the Riddler. It's just it's common everyday street level crime, and it, it feels like that's not something we get a lot of these days, especially coming you know after Joker War and and you know the myriad of crossovers that we've been subjected to over the last decade, <laughs> where everything's like a six part epic. And and here it's just it's a really simple character driven story, and it was really refreshing to go back to this and reread it from a modern perspective. Yeah, and there's something that, and again, it'll harken to what we're going to talk to talk about next. But Dick figuring out, hey, you know, he's got to find out in a newspaper that there's a new Robin that he he's been replaced when he was initially told that's not going to happen. So you've got this. The only thing I could think I could equate it to is like meeting the new wife, you know, or meeting the new husband and, and trying to work around, you know, shared parenting or, or, you know, or something along of that, of that nature. Like I didn't think so-and-so was going to move on so fast. And the kid in the middle is Jason and, Dick's trying to, am I going to play the big brother or am I going to play the dude? You just about got yourself killed. You don't know what you're doing. So I thought that was interesting, too, to kind of see if Dick's not careful, he's going to slip right into the role of Batman that he really didn't like. And he's in the first few pages, he's starting to talk to Jason very much in the same way that Bruce was talking to him, not more than 12 issues the opposite direction. Yeah. Oh, no, he's he's very Batman from his from his very entrance where he swoops in through the window before, you know, the movie made it such a big popular um, <laughs> scene. Right. Uh, to later on when he's like dragging Jason out and scolding him and his face is in shadow like he gets a little broody there. It's like he's very much trying to find that balancing act of like friendly Dick Grayson mentor to I'm really pissed off about this. Yeah, and something else that I like that kind of happens with usually the the Batman character is when Nightwing leaves, he says out loud, "Tell Bruce that I'm you know I'm headed to the cave or I'm gonna gonna go see him." And Jason's like, "Huh? Cave? Bruce? You know who is this guy?" And how does he know who Bruce Wayne is? And I like the the scenes with Bruce and Jason working out in the Batcave. And Aparo does a really good job in the the facial looks between the two of them of Bruce working out and not trying to let on that he's upset that Nightwing has has come back and has interacted with Jason before coming to talk to him with the naivete that's in uh, Jason like oh who who is this guy what's going on he's like getting that crash course and I think us as fans are going oh my gosh you know this is going to blow up in a big bad way yeah for sure and I also appreciate too that because Nightwing being on the Titans they're in New York at this point aren't they yeah are they in San Francisco oh no they're in San Francisco at this point okay but so he's been with the Titans for a while but he comes into Gotham as soon as he finds out about Jason and, like, he may have been gone for a little bit, but he is so, like, in touch with the city still that he knows where these people are going to get their drugs, when it's going to arrive. He can track down Jason with ease. Like, it's still very much in his blood, even though he's not there anymore. Yeah. And I think one of the, the cool things is the 
other than uh, Nightwing riding around in a red car, what does it say that it is? It's like the prototype for the Redbird. Yeah, almost, it almost is, yeah. The smoke-gleaned uh, sedan, you know, that he's coming in, which I thought was really weird. You know, not too many issues removed from this. In uh, year three and Lonely Place of Dying, he'll be riding around on his, what I like to call the, the Nike bike, <laughs> if you will. But seeing the little meeting with Alfred and just that little bit of uneasiness, like, oh, he's back in the trophy room and Nightwing's, you know, like, oh, of course he is. So this this section with Dick's taking off his his uh, his mask to talk to Bruce, and you do get the recap of, of what happened. But I think their whole conversation, there's like so many different layers that are going on in this conversation that you, we could just spend the rest of the show just just talking about. But what were some points that you liked that Starlin put in for for these two characters to deal with. Well, just from the start, as Nightwing goes striding over to Batman with determination, and his greeting to you know, basically his father is, Hi, Bruce. Mm. And Batman, who's not even looking at Nightwing, not even turning to give him that respect, is just, Hello, Nightwing. Like, not hi, but hello. Not Dick, but Nightwing. Yeah, And then the next thing out of his mouth is, what do you want? Like, it speaks volumes of where his headspace is right now. And, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, Aparo just nails every expression in this scene. From from Batman's anger to Dick's disappointment and pain. And it helps, too, that as we go on, you know, Dick takes off his mask. Batman eventually takes off his cowl. And we get to see these emotions up close and personal. Yeah, especially when you get to, and I love that the pages are numbered here, page 18, the bottom sets of the pages where, you know, Dick is pushing him, you know, why, you know, tell, tell me the real reason of what's the thing that you're not telling me. And just the panels that kind of repeat over and over again where Aparo doesn't draw Bruce any different, but Nightwing is constantly changing in the background like he's he's realizing what's coming. And it's that he missed him. But as quickly as as that comes out, Bruce is wanting to backpedal from it and shut it down like, all right, fine, I said it, I'm done, now go. Yeah. So I think that whole, I mean, there was a lot that was going on, you know, before that. But I think the, I think the first time that I had read it, I was thinking, oh, we're going to put a nice little bow on it. it. Nothing really gets resolved between the two of them other than Dick now knows the reason why, you know, why Bruce did what he did. Well, it's interesting, too, looking at from a, a perspective of Bruce's vulnerability, like like what, like I just said, when he comes in, he doesn't turn to look at Nightwing. And as they start their conversation and Dick is going on about being with the Teen Titans, like he actually gets a smile out of Batman. Like he's proud yeah. of when they teamed up with the Outsiders, but he's turned away from Dick. So Dick doesn't get any of that from him. Mm-mm. And even when Bruce, you know, finally, like you said, admits to that he missed him, He's still faced away from Nightwing. He doesn't give him the benefit of seeing just how deeply he cares, even though he just broke a display case. He's still shielding himself. He may not have the mask on, but he's still hiding his emotions from his son. 
Yeah, and the fact that when she left, he didn't have, I'm referring to Dick, didn't have a penny to his name, or so to speak, or probably had some money, but Alfred had to give him money, and he's end up wandering around, finds the Titans, and this was animated. Bruce was probably watching all along and putting the right people and nudging so Dick had things around him, but as Bruce wanted Dick to be able to find himself by himself to say you are becoming the man that I always knew you would be, but you would have never gotten to that point and grown as an individual had you stayed in the cave and we would have passed your shoulder up that Dick became something better, but Bruce is going to still hide behind that and not admit to it and not say, I'm proud of you. Again, it's just one of those layers where you want to root for Batman and go, oh, he did good in the end, but really he didn't. He let Dick wander probably a lot longer and wallow in what happened than he probably should have. And I found it interesting, too, that with all the recaps that we get, it's still a little vague, and we don't get like an editorial like, check out Batman 418 for this story, or check yeah. out New Teen Titans this. Like, you know, Dick leaves out the whole Deathstroke thing. Right. <laughs> the whole yeah. Judas contract is out. And, right. uh, you know, for the longest time growing up, I'm like, what is this story where the Joker shoots Robin in the arm? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know what it was because there was no internet. You know, I didn't have, like, Comixology or DC Universe to, like, scroll through the catalog and try and find something that was like that story. And the image that Aparo uses after Dick gets shot, like, maybe at this point, you know, in 87... It's evocative of the cover of Robin Dies at Dawn, the way that yeah. he's holding holding him there. But then, you know, from a more modern context, the first thing you think of is, you know, Batman carrying Robin out of the rubble and a death in the family. Yeah. So it can, I've... like, go either way in the timeline. And shout out to Pete Vera. The first time we see Batman and Robin together swinging into action, no yellow oval. No yellow oval. Got to wait till the next panel to get that <laughs> yellow oval back. And I, I, I think that's just a, a great attention to detail. This whole book just looks absolutely phenomenal. Even just the couple little shots that we get of Aparo's Joker. What is that? Uh, yeah, on eleven. It's yeah. just it's just beautiful. Then like the the flashbacks of Dick leaving the. Wayne Manor and then driving away the taxi or him hitchhiking rather meeting the Titans. This whole thing just looks absolutely beautiful. Again, talking about all the flashbacks, like I hadn't read any of these stories prior, but it was really easy to just read this comic and get the whole experience. Yeah. And it, it was just the simplicity of the storytelling. Like they get the idea across so succinctly. No more than just, what, five, six panels of recap. You've probably read three and a half years worth of stories in, in just that little bit. And for a one and done, this is a, I won't say it's a hefty read, but they put a lot of story in here. But something I think is really kind of fitting, the the turn that Dick has from before he goes to talk to Bruce to after where he's coming to the realization like, all right, this is the road Bruce is going down. So I could be the buffer for this kid and gives him 
his Robin costume, like, hey, you're going to grow out of the one that you're in. This one will be more suited for you. And it's, it is the literal passing of the baton or giving the mantle of Robin officially over. That might have been something that if Dick was going to leave on his own accord and Bruce says, hey, I'm going to bring a new Robin in, that this might have been, and how cool this would have been, having a another candlelight swearing in, but you would have had Bruce and Dick swearing in the new Robin. Aww. Like what, what, what a lost opportunity. Something like that could have been. Yeah. So the next best thing at which the, <laughs> the idiot podcaster and he says, all right, we're getting this package and now let's go jump off the roof and let's go bust these guys that we were after in the beginning. So I go, so where did you put this big box? Did you just leave it on the roof and then go, <laughs> <laughs> go, go back after it but uh i think that this section is uh the tail end of the book is is done really well of nightwing and robin working together to bust the uh, the drug smugglers and hearing the quips that both robin and nightwing are making i think are really cool so what do you think about the the end of this story well, it recalled the beginning of the of Batman 66 at the main title sequence, mm-hmm. except instead of Batman and Robin shaking hands, it's it's Nightwing and, and Robin. Yeah. And once again, Batman smiles in this issue because he's proud of his sons, but none of them see it. <laughs> They're totally in the dark <laughs> about just how much he really cares and how happy he is about them and for them. Yeah, which kind of gives the credence that... Bruce has been watching all this unfold, so there's no part of me that didn't believe that Bruce wasn't following and wasn't keeping tabs on Dick while he was you know, roaming the earth to try and find himself because he's doing it right here for the two of them. He, he makes mention that they're not going to look up. Even if they do look up, they're not going to see him. So you get, like you said, that that smile, which is not something you see Batman do very much unless you're you know, Val Kilmer or something like yeah. that. Except this doesn't look odd. This no, this doesn't this, look odd. <laughs> this looks, you know. Did you find it weird the the narration on the story? We have Bruce, and then all of a sudden we flip really quick to Dick, and then we cut back again to Bruce at the end. Yeah, and I that was one thing I kind of wish they would have had the thought bubbles done just a little bit differently, so you could have figured out who who is who and it's like you said it's almost happens a year you know a a year prior that you know we're we're already (laughs) already in the past but it took me for a minute to go all right so was that because it probably does work that way that it's dick watching jason at first and then midway through the book now it is bruce watching the the two of them so yeah i thought that was Odd, odd as well. Unless when Dick and Jason meet up on the rooftop when he's got the box, unless that is Bruce narrating, but the way it plays out, it looks like Nightwing is talking for just a little bit. Yeah. Cause... I don't know. Like, I read it like twice earlier today again. I'm like, no, I think it's Dick. And now looking at it for the third time today, I'm like, no, maybe it is Bruce. Because what does it say <laughs> here? I answer the city's call. I'm not the only one seeing this remedy. So I was having a hard time going, I'm not the only one seeing. That makes me think that that is Bruce 
Okay. Talking. Because, I don't know, that, that could literally go either way. It's It could be taken from the point of view that Dick knows that he's not the only one seeing this, or Bruce knows he's not the only one seeing what's you know about to happen here. You know, in the modern era now, you would get the little bat, or you get the little Nightwing logo, or Batman's would clearly be in black, Nightwing's would be in blue, Robin's would be in green or red. Yeah. As much as I love Adrian Roy's coloring, which I don't think she was the colorist on this. Yeah, it is. No, Adrian. it was her. Yeah. It is Adrian Roy. Yeah. So her colors are usually really good. So I wonder with just the the thought boxes that was just kind of put in. I oh, we got some pinks, we got some greens, and kind of moved that way. I mean, rereading this again. I mean, Jim Aparo is my favorite Batman artist, and going through this for the eighty millionth time, like. This is the reason why. Because every panel, every page is just pure joy to look at. I mean, this is this is Aparo at his height. And this is, you know, we've said it on this show a few times. That you can start to read probably from 416 or even a little bit earlier than that. And you can follow this whole entire run. And it goes all the way to and through No Man's Land that you are getting some consistent Batman stories issue after issue after issue and everything is just kind of building on itself and it's just one of those I always said it was like a magical time to be growing up around this era and seeing all these big milestones just come one right after the other as far as books that here we are 30 years later talking about this book and how it still resonates and how it still connects to something else that we're going to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hats off to Denny O'Neill, because not only was he a fantastic writer, but the way he shepherded Batman over the course of two decades, or was it three? I believe it was just, a, just about was it three. Just the 80, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's just amazing what he was able to do and keep that focus and make this giant tapestry of stories. And even it kind of dovetailing back just a little bit into the the meat in the Batcave. And we were talking about foreshadowing earlier. Bruce tells, you know, Dick, in my own way, I think I may have saved Jason's life. Yeah. And, you know, reading that from now, it's like, yeah, not for very long, though. <laughs> and then yeah. and then he makes, you know, the argument that Batman, when he's he tells Dick that I recruited Jason because the Batman needs a Robin. Yeah. And like, not even like, well, a little more than a year later, you know, Tim is going to come along and throw that back in his face as the reason why, you know, he needs to have a Robin. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I had that written down that I was going to mention. I totally forgot about it. That Batman needs a Robin was spoken first by Bruce. And, you know, no wonder that kind of takes that little turn. Like, here's this new kid in Tim Drake saying the very thing that I told Dick and how all of that must have been playing in his head. Like the last time I said that I lost to Robin. Yeah. I don't know if that's something like Denny told Marv Wolfman to throw in because like, Hey, we did this story with Starlin and I want you to throw this back in his face or if it's just a happy accident. But I mean, it's just a beautiful parallel to how this story unfolded. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, what do you say we switch gears and we go to the new Batman adventures? Yeah, man. 
All right, so we are going to be watching. Did you want to tell the good folks what our episode is and say this was also your pick as well? Yeah, we are watching episode 18 of the new Batman Adventures titled Old Wounds. It aired October 3rd of 1998, so 22 years ago. It's been that long already. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we are watching this through uh, Voodoo. You can too as well. It is on DC Universe. Right now at the moment, depending on how they you know restream everything, at least it's up at the time we're doing this. Or if you've got your the new Blu-ray set that came out last year, slap that in. We've got our counters set at zero, zero, zero. So as long as I do this correctly, uh, hopefully both of us will be in time. So we'll do it Lethal Weapon style. We'll go three, two, one, and then I'll say play, and that's when we'll play. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. So and, on on the version that I'm watching right now, it's kicking off with the classic mm-hmm. uh, Batman the Animated Series intro, but I know I had a box set at one point where it gave you the option to either watch this intro or the new Batman Adventures intro that cut in with... Uh, scenes of Superman from his show as well. Yeah, that is in uh, Batman the Animated Series Volume 4. So um, that whole um, you know box set which is the, the brown the brown covered uh, version basically because they were all like little different uh, colors to kind of differentiate them. And I'm trying to look to see when this came out um I'll probably shout it out at some point. It's, it's not written on the back. But was yeah. that the only version that gave you the choice for yes, this, this season? Yep, this was the only one that you could watch either or. Um, no, actually, uh, I stand corrected because it did get a different uh, title in, um, it, well, I think it was The Adventures of Batman and Robin, so you could watch that one or... Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah. So just like... Uh, the issue we just discussed, 416. We're starting off with Robin, this time Tim Drake, on patrol, normal crime. There's no hint of any big supervillain. It's just street-level stuff. Yeah. And just like that last issue, Nightwing drops in from above once again to kind of intervene. Mm-hmm. What did you think of their version of uh, Nightwing aesthetically? I I liked it. It um, I at first I really missed the the blue stripes coming down the arm and the bird on the front. I thought that's a little too much on the nose. But by like the second episode that he was on, I really liked this look and it kind of harkened back to the '90s mullet, you know, era for. For Nightwing, so I by the end of the animated series, I really liked this version of uh, his look. It kind of feels like the transition from the Titans disco collar outfit to the one he would become most known for. Like this is like the in between. Like he's just giving it a test run. Yeah, still making some tweaks. I also thought it was funny that they pull up the whole things change. Yeah. 
immediately I go to Batman Returns. <laughs> oh, sa- same here. <laughs> And now, in hindsight, this graduation scene kind of reminds me of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, yeah. There's a graduation, and the superhero's missing out because he's fighting crime. And you've got Barbara and Alfred there, and you get to look over from... And Lucius. Yeah, and Lucius. And that was something I really liked about... If I'm being honest, I really think I like the new Batman adventures just a little bit more... Than the animated, the main animated series. I know that might be blasphemous to some, but I liked having more of a of the Bat family, and uh, I thought the look was just a little bit sleeker too. Mm-hmm. For me, I go I go back and forth on it, on mm-hmm. which one I prefer. Like at the time it came out, it was fresh. I thought it was really cool and daring to like switch it up and get rid of the yellow oval and harken back to like more of a year one look mm-hmm. and now like that we've had that for like 20 <laughs> now years I want the oval back. Now it's like i want the <laughs> oval back that was my childhood man that's right <laughs> you know but I, I mean there are pros and cons to each i mean this is definitely a little more refined looking than some of the earlier um episodes from when it was just batman the animated series yeah you know, and this was something that was kind of flirted with. Um, if you've seen um, what, not Deep Freeze, um, Barbara and Dick's potential romance, Sub Zero, Sub Zero, yes, yeah. What did you think of the New Adventures Batmobile uh, design compared to? We just saw it very briefly there for a minute to the traditional animated series. I liked it. It was a little more sporty. Uh, I never got the uh, toy for the original one, so I was happy enough that I was able to snag that model and mm. you know, throw my action figures in it. Yep. And I never got the this one. I had the other one. I kept telling myself, no, I already got one Batmobile, and I kind of wish now I would have had both, but... <laughs> One did. Batmobile is never enough, Rob. No, no. And compared to the issue that we read, you know, Dick is telling Tim the story as opposed to Bruce telling Jason and then Bruce and Dick filling each other in. Which is like in... Oh, no, go ahead. No, so it's kind of fitting... Yeah, that the Joker plays a part in in both of these, you know. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Stole your thunder, and I yeah. love it's it's very minimal in the design. They don't didn't change too much with Robin's costume, Dick Grayson's Robin costume. But I like it. I like it more in this than I do um, the the normal animated series. Again, I like think it's just that it's a little bit sleeker and not as. Not that it was busy, but there's just something about it I like. Yeah. Although I wish the Joker did have red lips. Yeah, that's the only thing I didn't like about it. I like I like the beady little eyes. I do. I do, too. I think the Justice League uh, iteration of it got him just right. Yes. Yeah. And Batman, too, for that matter. I really like that kind of Bob Kane-esque ears that he has on... Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Same here. 
Same here. And it's, you know, getting the retelling of uh, Dick getting shot in 416 that the Dick or that the Joker is still responsible for some of the events that end up happening uh, in this too. So, you know, that Deanie and Bruce Tim were going through the comics to pull things out from. So I think they did a really good job of like updating this and give it their own little spin. And seeing this guy that they're following now, Connor, as he runs away from the scene of the crime, uh, watching it again earlier today was making me think of um, Lee Bermejo's Batman Noel. Oh, yeah. How Batman tracks down one of the Joker's goons and uh, winds up confronting him in front of his family. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is this episode, I think, is also so strong. I always confuse it as part of the main animated series for for this scene right here. Yeah. Have you read any of uh, the Adventures Continue? Yes. Yep. So watching this today, it's like I wish. Again, in hindsight's twenty twenty, like I wish they would have gone for these flashbacks with Batman, if it would have had that adventures continue look where he's got the yellow oval still, but it's this suits black bat. Yes. Oh, wow. Like that. I, I really dug that look in the book and then watching this, I'm like, Oh, now it doesn't jive, jive up anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And trying to place everything together. Yeah. And, I keep wanting to say Tim because of the costume. Like Dick is not having it. Knows yeah. this is not the right thing to be doing. Not, and he even says not front of the, not front of his kid. And what is Barbara thinking right now? Yeah, you know, it's three in the morning. There's a mm-hmm. knock at the door. You know, presumably it's her boyfriend, who, as far as she knows, just left their date so he could clean out the fridge with his roommates. Yeah. Now he's so pissed off. It's like, you know, did someone throw out the moldy cheese that he was attached to? Or there was yogurt that was half eaten and I yeah. wanted it. But it had my name on it. It's that episode of Friends. Somebody threw out Ross's sandwich. <laughs> you threw out my sandwich? Well, like you said, you got to think what Barb is thinking about. Like, he left dinner. Did he just want to fast forward to the end of the evening here? Like, my boyfriend (laughs) shows up and he's mad. Like, whoa, uh, what's going on here, man? One thing I miss about this season in general is Conroy kind of lost the distinction of Playboy Bruce Mm. and Batman voice. Yeah, yeah. It's not as obvious as it was at the start of the show. Yeah, he definitely had that bumbling, like, oh, you know, I'm a, I could fall into a koi pond if I'm not careful. <laughs> like, and, and what a move, a power play this is to just flat out 
not even say anything. I'm just going to go into the Batcave, and this is how Barbara finds out. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of year three. Yeah. Oh, Alfred. (laughs) (laughs) How many times has Alfred tried to play off that he's Batman or dressed up as Batman? (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing down here. Uh, <laughs> I am happy they got Bruce out of that brown and yellow suit. Oh, it's here. like he was auditioning for Dwight Schrute. <laughs> False. It's Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the typical. You know, animation of the time. Like you're not changing the suits. That this this is just what it is. And I was always mad. Like I never got an action figure of <laughs> of that brown suit. It was always quick change Batman. Because they did make one for this iteration. Yeah, but he had like a trench coat on. Yep, an orange and trench then, coat. And, and then there it. was a variant that had like a different color tie. Yeah, a tie. trench coat. Uh, I think yeah, trench coat. I think it was red. Upside down genius. <laughs> I love like Joker has like a model of the city. <laughs> it, it almost, Just ready it, to go. Well, he had that with uh, Christmas with the Joker too, you know. Yeah. It's like most people when they go looking for a home, they're looking for a set number of rooms, set number of bathrooms. But the Joker, it's like... Does it come with a model of Gotham City? Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm not interested. We can just move on to the next layer. No, Mr. Joker, there's not, but there is plenty of cardboard <laughs> that you can cut to make a city. You know, and it, is this the start of Barbara and uh, Bruce's romance in this I was, universe? I was wondering that myself. And then I was trying to remember where it actually kind of picked up from. Because I know there's an element of it in Mystery of the Batwoman. Yep. And then it kind of goes into Batman Beyond territory. They don't really do much with it until that, but then that's telling things in the past. Souvenirs. The action figure from this line that I bought, I didn't get the standard like crime detector, crime detective Batman. I bought this glider uh, Batman, uh, part of the Crime Stoppers line. Um, and the main reason I did is because he had a cloth cape, and I didn't like the the oh. plastic cape that they had. Yeah, I, I got the the one you were talking about that came with the um, red magnifying glass yeah. whatever it was so you could decipher the code <laughs> which took about three seconds <laughs> yeah <laughs> Bud and Lou but no Harley yeah I was really surprised that she wasn't there given that you've got Batgirl in this 
There's your Nike bike. The Nike bike, yeah. Oh, I love seeing the fight, too, in silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely go for more of a cartoony Joker with the way his eyes are being reflected by the periscope and a little bit later when he gets taken out. It's very Bugs Bunny. Yes. And this is the second episode of the series where Batgirl has fallen off of a building. Well, yeah, I guess technically she's only really fallen off a building once, but if you're dreaming, then we'll call it twice. <laughs> that's I love, yeah, just the way gravity actually has an effect. Mm-hmm. Because they very could have easily not done that, and yeah. even just the the swing right there they put in that he's having to really, you know, arch his body, his body, his body, folks, <laughs> his body uh, to to get them to go up to the top of the roof. For as simple as the animation looks and design, they didn't chintz out as far as how well they are animated. Yeah. got to be cumbersome at that point for Batman to have that on his back and yeah, still trying to bounce around and do stuff. He's still got part of the glider wings attached still. See, at this point, when the Joker gets the gun, first time I saw it, I thought, oh, they're actually going to have him shoot Robin. Because this was also the first series where yeah. uh, they had blood shown that they could finally once they went to w was it wb kids yeah at that point it was wb it wasn't cw yet yeah (laughs) just a face there the joker I mean, what a delivery on Mark Hamill. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and to think that the Joker could have been Tim Curry. Pennywise himself. Mm Mm-hmm. How ironic. God, I wish they would put that out on one of these box sets. That's what I was really hoping for out of this, that we were going to get to this. Because they talk about it. I was like, finally, we'll get to hear it. But it's never surfaced. What was this box set? Was it for the 20th anniversary? 25th? Um, The newest one that came out, I believe, was in conjunction for the... Yeah, I think the 25th. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get it for the fiftieth. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. And in contrast to the comic we just talked about, Dick quits in this one. 
Yeah. He isn't forced out. And he never put on the costume again. <laughs> A lot of times in my, my own headspace, I conflate this with the other episode where you meet Tim. Yeah. He's stealing the car or stealing <laughs> the tires off the Batmobile and his dad's a criminal. Yeah, that's the amalgamation of Jason yeah. and you know and then you talk about the you know the adventure continues and they they get to do that so then that part of me is like oh maybe they could lose that part. I mean, it would have been really cool to have Tim's origin be intact that he was there at the circus, you know. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, I think this works for the animated series, and we're kind of talking over the the button here of Bruce or Batman going to beat up the thug, and then here uh, Bruce gave him a job as a security of, security officer at Wayne Tech. Turned his life around. Yeah. Well, I'll be, <laughs> as Dick would say. And just like the comic where we see Batman smile, but no one else does, Tim turns away and smiles and off they go into the night. Yeah. I love the red sky of oh yeah, Gotham City in this. And that goes by so fast. Alan Burnett, Paul Dini. Awesome. Shirley Walker scored the whole entire thing. It's cool. It's just an impressive body of work, too. Yeah. And a nice sense of, like, cohesion, because she did the orchestrations mm-hmm. on Batman 89. I believe so. And then Elfman. Or, or conducted. I mean, Elfman did the score. But, yeah, that's how it was. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, from that to The Flash, to then Batman the Animated Series. It's all yeah. part of the multiverse. Yeah. And speaking of the multiverse... I believe the portal of your door is telling you it's time to go. <laughs> this is this went by way too fast. Um, I thought for sure, like, oh, this is going to be a two-hour show, you know. I mean, very well could, <laughs> very yeah. well could be. <laughs> but uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to tell you, you're, you are more than welcome back at the Drake house anytime. Get you on a, a proper show, and we'll... Thanks, uh, Rob. We'll get you... Uh, uh, into the trenches of uh, of Tim Drake's main story on the podcast. Yeah, I'd love to do that. You guys are in Legacy right now, right? Yeah, we're in Legacy. We just, at the time of this recording, I'm editing the very first part of the prelude. I think it's Shadow of the Bat 53 and Batman 5... 533, if I'm saying that right? It's 533 or 553. I get the two uh, confused. So yeah, we're right in that. And then... Um, Batman or Detective Comics 700, which was, you know, ironic to say that when we were talking about <laughs> 700, that Detective 1070 yeah. had come out on the same day that we recorded. So uh, that uh, people are hearing this for the first time that the, that's going to be its own episode because we talked so <laughs> so long about you know 700 as a milestone. But 
that'll be for a show for another time. Uh, before I let you go, man, uh, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they uh, read your uh, wonderful writing if they're not doing so already? Uh, you can go to spidermancrawlspace.com or the jamesbonddossier.com or batmanonfilm.com if you want to read my thoughts on some current comics. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Javi True, J-A-V-I-T-R-U. Or on Instagram, I occasionally post pictures of my collection or James Bond clothes that I happen to have anything nice. at all. At The Bond is not enough. I I am also a big, big James Bond fan. Right and, on. Uh, a movie that I love that doesn't get enough love uh, is in my top five uh, is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. I wish Lazenby had gotten another film, at least at least a second one. Yeah. Um, it, it sucks that he had to be, like anybody following Sean Connery was not going to, was not probably going to fare well, but uh, I think that uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is a far better film. Than I think that some people want to say that it's not. Agreed, a hundred percent. I actually got to see that on the big screen oh, a year ago for Father's Day. That would be amazing. That and yeah, that one's on my bucket list. If I might mean, talk James Bond for a little bit, I think my. The first Bond film that I saw in theater was Goldeneye, so I have a, a big soft spot for Piers Brosnan's era of Bond. I think he's actually my favorite, and then you know, Connery and uh, uh, Lazenby's right there. But as far as like top five, uh, Honor Majesty's uh, Secret Service is in the top five, and I think Goldeneye might actually be my favorite. Nice, but. Well, cool. Before I turn this into a James Bond podcast, <laughs> I, <laughs> I could, could do that really easy. I, I feel you could. I'm, <laughs> and I'm going to turn the mic over to you, and you can just talk. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So on the behalf of Javi, our special guest here on Robin's 8th anniversary, I'm Rob, and you've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast, celebrating 80 years of Robin this year. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respective copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also over at our host, TBU. 
Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. I'm